Well, I mean, now it's on, so we can we can go. We're all together there. Wait, wait. I want to have a laugh. I want to thank you and welcome to this edition of Ask Mom and Dad. Do you hear that loud studio clapping time? There's people applauding in the background for us right now. Thank you. We're so glad you could be here. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it means the world to me to have you here with us today. I set up a our our broad mic today for the distance mic. I um, microphone. I set up the um, <laughs> camera three over there thinking it would look really really cool and i had it set up perfectly on the chair and then you adjusted your mic and now you are literally um a mic when i go to camera three it's a mic stand so that's okay i'm not worried about it <clears throat> it doesn't matter welcome to episode 59 uh, 59 <laughs> of ask like, mom and dad and that's just what, well i just forgot what the heck that's i was not, talking about that's not really the number is that the number it's Total? the number it's the number we are currently totally at. Okay, it's a number. Doing those seasons. Totally, I dropped the season, so that's all the episodes we've recorded. Oh, okay. We have yet to celebrate our one hundredth episode, which will be great, especially if we celebrate it, you know, in the midst of the same audience numbers that we have now, which number in the in the high um, single digit at this point in time. Which is cool. I'm saying that we market primarily to single people. Um, uh, one at a time. No, I'm wearing the wrong glasses. You are. Everybody I know that listens to is married, so that's wrong. You got the wrong statistics going on. Aw, you're married, and I'm married. We're married. That's not what I said. Everyone you talk to is married that watches or that listens, listens to this. Episode. Oh, okay. You said so single people. I can't help it. It's so funny. I'm just going to make laughter right now. So there's a little laughter in the background. I have a sound effects pad here that I don't use. Get that away. Take it away from him. Oh. Well, it isn't any fun because you don't have a. I've got a boo button. If you want to just have that to yourself, oh, you can push it down idea. again. Yeah, just go boo. <laughs> oh, I just got booed just terribly. I would never push so that button drive us all crazy. on you. Well, you know, it all depends on where you can. I also have a ret- I have Roadrunner. You can so push that button too. So what could they have to do with what you're going to tell us about? About You were going to tell booing. me a story. You told me you were going to tell a story. Oh, that's right. I'm so busy pushing buttons. I'm just have the camera on me too. So just so you know, I am the most person <laughs> in person important in the room. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm glad this is mostly listened to and not watched because it's just not great when things are. If I'm telling the story, it doesn't matter if the camera's on me. I'm telling you the story. Yeah, I was reading in um, Esther today and I had an interesting thought about things. I also was listening to some of the stuff and, you know, uh, I'm not allowed to say stuff like mandate or election. I can't say those words, right? If we, for the YouTube are they audience, illegal? the words whether, are illegal. Yeah, the words I think are illegal. I think there are illegal words in in the American oh. Second Amendment world. Well, they need to put out one of those dictionaries because I haven't seen that one yet. Well, one of them I posted in the family Discord about the Navy suing over the things and how that the broad application that has now been broadened into a libel suit that covers all of the Navy now. So uh, the seals have been currently it's in in the circuit that it's in the Supreme Court has got it so that vaccine mandates cannot be enforced in the Navy um, at all. And so that it's not over, though, because well, their the Justice Department will likely appeal it and continue to. Yeah, so, it's not been actually decided. Yeah, it hasn't. Yet. It's been I think wasn't it stayed in Supreme Court for further action or something. So anyway, the lawyer that I was listening to, I watched about this morning and I posted about was talking about. The fact that that hopefully that you know as they they believe because it is so is it's a clear case of discrimination because there have been granted administrative um, uh, exemptions. There's also been granted um, there's another kind of visit disability exemptions, but the there's only been like um, 
less single digits of of, of religious exemptions. Yeah, but every other thing that which is clearly yeah, which is clearly discriminatory when they've given many more, several hundred to other things. So it's showing that they're discriminating because of a particular thing. Um, so it's a class action suit now. It's not just it's that was the interesting development. Is no longer just a seals those those 12 that was what the supreme court decided on but then it was expanded to become a class action lawsuit which means it replies to the whole navy and they don't they haven't currently handling all of the branches of service but it should they're thinking and hoping it will spill over into all the branches is because it's an interesting it is about a fundamental right and as people of faith you and i you know we know what our kids have struggled with um, with our two boys in the military and someone else but when we're talking about a vaccine that's only especially now that they've They've continued the science or whatever to show that it it's, doesn't spread the way they thought. It, the vaccine for everybody did not stop the spread. Like, I can't believe they would ever have thought because it's a virus. It does not stop that way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, since it doesn't affect other people, she, shouldn't you have your own... Uh, what What is the word? It, there's a legal term... Um, when you sign for your parents, oh, um, power of attorney. attorney? Shouldn't you have your own power of attorney or, and there's probably another term for that jurisdiction over your own health. I just feel like, why can't that be a choice? Now I understand the military and our guys dealt with it. And one of our guys chose against it and one chose to go with it. But, um, because they believe they've signed an oath. So they're supposed to do what they're told. The tricky part of that is, does that mean they turn over all of their health decisions to the Navy or to the, you know, military branch that they're in? What? How is that part of their oath to their country? I, d- I don't quite get that. I know some of the argument was the anthrax thing or whatever it was back when they had to take a certain... Uh, because they do uh, have some vaccines for different of the places they go into, diseases that we haven't faced, that kind of thing. But this one, because they did not prove that it actually kept you from getting COVID. It's supposedly guarded. It's supposedly reduced risk of uh, severe infection, but it does not like truly guard you from ever getting the infection. So those ones that they were going into these other countries and have to, you know, have to accept that because, because the unknown types of diseases and stuff in those other countries understand that kind of, I still don't think it should be mandated. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. The question, the question isn't whether or not the vaccine is loyalty, right? The question doesn't have anything to do with the efficacy of the vaccine or anything related to that. It has to do with, um, with what our rights are to say yes or no to any kind of treatment. And up until, uh, this current, pandemic there have been cases where vaccines were mandated in the military or certain things but but um the this is but that was when there was that's what i just said yeah Yeah. like what you just said sorry diseases they were of countries they were going into and all that that there's reasons why some things i could understand could put our men in jeopardy uh um clear thing malaria in certain countries you know they 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 take medication and stuff like that to protect for those things even so i kind of i kind of have a problem with it ever being absolute mandated because the bottom line is it's still their risk they're taking now mm-hmm. i understand putting um our funds toward them you know we're training them we're doing all that sort of thing so if they but the problem is that science is still so questionable on different people and different mm-hmm. reactions mm-hmm. and different whatever so it's not it, it's to me it's kind of a gray area it doesn't make any sense but anyway 
Yeah, that no, should be interesting I completely to agree. find out what happens there. I think, so the, the reason I bring that up as a point of news, the other thing that came up today that I'm not allowed to talk about is election stuff and just investigation stuff that's going on around that and how they're finding new uh, evidences of just corruption. And, I, and the point that I want to make is corruption. It really isn't a matter of whether, whether you believe one way or another about either one of these items. We have our beliefs and we don't mind talking about them, but... The question of corruption is, you know, as we say, you know, vir- the uh, government's going to govern, right? It's what you expect it to do. But in, in reality is that oftentimes governments, even though those governments may very well be good governments, um, make foolish decisions. And um, in the story that um, is in the Bible that I want to talk about uh, for a minute is the story of, of Ruth, Esther. Sorry, wrong person. Ruth's been in my head all day long, and that's because my daughter keeps texting me, Aaliyah, Ruth. <laughs> so every time I see it, um, that, I'm like, oh. Uh, it's anyway, Esther, the story of Esther really centers around um, Mordecai, Haman, and Esther. And you know this story, but for the benefit of our listener, just real quickly, you know, the, the, the big deal here in this story is exactly the issue of corruption and carelessness, because what happens in the story is Haman is disrespected by Mordecai, or he feels disrespected by Mordecai. And because he is a government official and he's in a lot of, he has a lot of power, he has the ear of the king, mm-hmm. so much so that when he goes to the king and says, there's this group of people who are destructive and want to um, cause trouble for your kingdom, and what I would like to do is take care of that problem for you. Mm-hmm. And the way I can do that is simply to destroy them. Mm-hmm. And so he sets about the task of a genocide that's given permission because the king trusts him. He doesn't know who these people are. He trusts him. And so he gives him his signet ring and says, make whatever decree you want, put my signet on it. And it's the rule of the, it's the law of the land. Yeah. And the trick with the Medes and Persians then was they couldn't, a king could not even recede his own law. Right. right? And I, I'm getting, I'm getting that because that's, that's kind of the point that, that God pointed out to me about how that happens. And I'll tell you about that in a second. The, um, the thing that, that was striking in the story, what, pardon me? I was trying to think of recede. Is that the right word? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to think of what the right word was. Bring back, draw back. Yeah, I had. A, I think I got stuck on that today too. Cancel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a modern culture. We could cancel you that. We'll cancel that. We just can't cancel that. We'll cancel you. Anyway, um, so Haman, uh, because he has the king's ear, um, puts out that decree. Puts out that decree, and uh, well, I was going to say that the um, Mordecai. What what Haman doesn't really know at this point, I don't think, is that um, that. Mordecai's daughter Esther is the king is the king's wife is the queen's I don't I'm not sure if I remember that correctly in the story I didn't reread the whole story this morning I just found myself thinking I don't think he knows that she's a Jewish princess at this point in time um, but that's who Esther is she's the wife of the king and so the king doesn't so already at this point in the story yeah she's already the married way the king yeah and in I think it's chapter two is when he first puts out the decree he says a group of people are a problem to you. he doesn't actually tell the king who the people are and so the cover the carelessness of the government was that Haman walks in and he very carefully words his phrase so he doesn't I does not identify who it is he wants to annihilate and because the king trusts him he just hands him all authority mm-hmm. that's a that's a negligent act on the king's part um, and would be highly embarrassing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if he can't, I mean, he's the king, highly embarrassing on a dictator is not a problem. He'll just have your head cut off or hang you. And so, but nonetheless, in the, in the story, that's what happens. And so then as the story progresses, Esther realizes she's got two problems on her hands. Her people are about to get wiped out. Um, Mordecai brings this to her attention and she's going to have to act. She's going to have to have some way to wrestle the power away from Haman and have the power. And then what's she going to do? 
because the second problem is worse than the first. She can't take back the the, the rule. Right? She can't take back the problem. And so what happens in the story is Esther is successful at wrestling the power away from Haman. She does a series of meals and, you know, plays to his pride and then winds up, you know, just revealing the plot um, to the king. The king's upset, has the man well, killed. Yeah, that's because Mordecai had actually saved the king's life at one point. And, Haman, yeah. and um, Esther used that as, don't you see that there are your... Uh, people who are on your side over here yeah. and here's this one who is not right so the government so what's what's wrong with it? Darius is, who's the king Xerxes um, the government that he has in control is actually uh, so it's him I don't know if the best way to put this would be the president the mm -hmm. house the senate and the supreme court and then and then the rest of us that's kind of <laughs> I don't know how to make it American it's not American you don't have to, yeah. if our president was an almighty ruler who could have you beheaded um then it's the same story. Anyway, so the government that was in power, that was in, that was um, administering Thankfully, his state. Thankfully, we haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's okay. Joe probably forget he ordered it. Um, <laughs> and so, mm. the the admin the 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 state that has been administered is being administered by a corrupt body. That's what that's the story here. And um, and Haman represents that because there's obviously people who want to side with Haman, and that plays out. And here's what was what struck me in the story. So what happens is. Um, she gets power back from Haman, and now the Jewish people have authority. Because what happens, right? You said Mordecai was then elevated to the same position or of of Haman, and now Mordecai has that same authority, the signet ring of the king that Haman had, and and the king does the same thing with Mordecai basically because he doesn't know what to do. He can't rescind the order, and so he says to um, to Mordecai, "You guys figure this out." I can't take it back. So he tells them the worst news ever. I, can't, I just can't stop it. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that occurred to me is this is what happens when a people are subject to a power without the ability to defend themselves. They have no, um, they were they were sitting there with no authority to, to do anything, to fight back to, they, whether they were armed or not, we don't know. Challenged to protest. Not, nothing. To they riot. Really, yeah, they don't have any any ability to to stand up for themselves. They're just a persecuted people group. And like I said, it's not a straight line just because, you know, it's a different governing structure. But nonetheless, what struck out to me that was was that, wow, what a what an an apt story to bring forward because what was the solution? Well, the solution was simply, why don't we arm the people to yeah, fight back? To and so what happens here in the passage that's um, that uh, sticks out to me is in Esther 8, 11. It says, the king's edict gave the Jews in each and every city the right to assemble. So there's your right to gather, right, Tanya? Mm -hmm. And defend themselves to destroy, kill, and annihilate every ethnic and provincial army hostile to them, including women and children, and to take their possessions as spoils of war. So the difficulty was alleviated by allowing for the people of God to not sit passively by and wait to die, but to rise up and challenge the the finish now here's the cool thing tanya and this is what i think speaks to the times that we're in some people are feeling kind of hopeless out there that the world i mean it's difficult i mean we don't have the fear that our government's going to roll into town and kill us at least not us americans at this point in time that's that's more of a ukrainian problem right now that another government or whatever would at this moment it's not but yeah well it's it's not a it's not currently on the table but there's a sense in which we feel like we're being rolled over economically with our right to assemble our right to speech all of those kinds of things seem to be challenged right some of it by healthcare decisions well our own healthcare decisions which we started with um even further than that uh the the it's not just the government it's the people 
um, who are using the, the media resources around them. I'm not talking about like the yeah. national media. I'm talking about social media and things like that, literally being used and pushed to use those things to shame or to just, to just ruin people's lives as best they can. Mm -hmm. So, or, okay. And I want to add this in or to misinform and therefore also persecute people who have a different opinion. So either, either one or the other, either to misinform and brainwash to a particular line of thinking or the other way around to persecute those who might have a different line of thinking. That, that to me is, is what's most threatening in our society right now in our media structures and whatever is is that it's the belittling of people who have a different opinion than maybe uh the what's seen as the general thought patterns or whatever which aren't always right sheep are led to slaughter quite often in large groups <laughs> anyway yeah they, go yeah. ahead sorry well yeah um I don't even know if I've got to my point. <laughs> I'm doing a classic ADHD thing and taking forever to get to my point. I apologize. Yeah. The thing that stuck to me is what would have been the case had there been no Haman? Now, I know Haman is the instigator of the annihilation, but or the annihilation, the attempted annihilation, yeah. genocide. But, but the reality is, is that dark time shed light. And, and, I, and I think that's what we need to be aware of in our, in our, our, our difficulties don't compare to the gravity of what we're dealing with, at least not at this stage. But through the last really like the, five or six years, America has come into mm -hmm. a cultural crisis. There's two cultures at war in our country. And what has happened is um, that you can blame it on the Trump presidency, and, 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 or, and I mean blame it in the sense that just the presence of such a firebrand um, caused light to be shown there there was no hiding in corners people trying to work covertly or be different it, everyone's out out in the public now everyone knows who everyone is now the question is how do you handle that so those folks and like i said i don't want to make this a, a political thing too much but because it's it's it is and it isn't a lot of the things that are happening in our country right now that are dark and i'm be, be straightforward i don't even, i don't want to talk about vaccines i'm talking about abortion you know, the killing of innocent lives, slaughtering babies, so much so that our birth rate is down so much, we may not even be able to propagate the species. That's a problem. I mean, America could just literally just go extinct. They talk um, about watching these uh, pictures of the Ukraine and, and the devastation there and how we get cold to it, kind of watching. How cold have we gotten to literally taking life? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. life that has a heartbeat, that has a viability at, at literally um that i read about a baby that was born naturally i think and, and literally from 21 weeks if we know that that baby is a human being and we we don't admit it that's on our heads but also we get cold to admitting it and then it, it is just murder it's yeah. just murder we become numb so, to it yeah, yeah we've become numb to it in our society so much that women's rights and all these different terms sound good they sound like they can overshadow murder. The sad thing is we call it abortion so it doesn't sound like murder. We call it a, a slaughter. You know, it doesn't sound like those yucky words. We forget to look at the pictures because as long as we can ignore those pictures, then we don't have to think about what's actually going on. saw some pictures of um, fetuses that were discarded or whatever, and it's just awful because people who are trying to make this known, mm -hmm. and uh, once again, being shut down, being told... Oh, don't, you know, don't put those pictures out there. And yet, what do we watch every day and what gets censored on our, <laughs> on our, I was thinking about this the other day. 
uh, we um, laud and praise way wrong things these days and then censor the things that ought to be told. You can't probably show to a three to five year old um, something I know you can't you know you're not supposed to because they'll give warnings on Netflix or on HBO or something for your child yeah content but you can certainly te- we have teach a con- them about That's- sex right in front of their eyes and, and your teachers are supposed to be able to I mean, all these things are just it's that's hilarious i didn't even think about the fact that we have our our film rating system still in place but yet you know this may not be proper for someone under the age of 16 but go to school you can see it there yeah and, <laughs> that's kind of great and i mean it's not great Florida it's just kind of an illustration criticized for three to five year olds being you know it, it being put in the parents hands that they can't be taught in the public uh school setting about sex i'm i'm just thinking who in their right mind teaches a child that extreme things at that age i mean yeah. you you help them you help them understand who they are but you don't it's just yeah we've gotten completely um completely upside down right is or true is false and false is true yeah I mean, up is just, up is down and down is up mm-hmm. i i think that um the thing that is another thing that's interesting about this story so in that is that I want to say that without difficulty, without pressure, we can't have truth revealed sometimes because we fall right. into that complacent place that you're talking about. Right. And and so it's important, I think, to realize that um, we have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We have that a perspective when going through difficulty that helps us to better understand that there's something on the other side of this or there's something good that can come from it. Um, it, because I think that oftentimes people lose hope because they don't think that there's a future. Um, and you know, unfortunately for like some folks in the Ukraine, they're in a war zone right now. People are being Mm -hmm. slaughtered, but the world is looking at Russia and its leader very differently now because of the way this is being conducted. Uh, both Zelensky and Putin would be, would be seen a year ago as corrupt people were, who were seeking their own gain. Um, Zelensky was, you know, by no means every so every media person out there would have reported a year ago that, you know, here's the things that this person is doing to take care of himself and his buddies rather than the people. The reality is when pressure comes down to it, whether you like Zelensky or not, he's he's actually acting in his people's interest, at least as far as we can tell. And so he's fighting a battle and rallying his people. So whether he has corruption in his past, his character seems to be more concerned about the people he represents than just running over and killing and sacrificing soldiers, which seems to be much more of a Russian pr- approach. And the situation with the story of Haman and Esther and Mordecai is that when Esther and Mordecai were under pressure, they they relied on who they were and their identity in, in Christ. One, it, this is, yeah, in this book, God isn't really mentioned in this book it's it's a nationality story and it's one of the it's the it's, i think it's the only book in the bible where that's not a focus mm-hmm. um but what is a focus they is are, the importance I mean, the of the people of god, of god. and um and and so it's a, it's a story of how they're acting in wisdom and true to the character of who they're supposed to be while under persecution mm-hmm. truthfully the best thing that ever happened to the jewish people in their history was their exile because it purified their um understanding they weren't lazy after the after the um they return to Jerusalem, and we see that in Ezra and Nehemiah. They never have issues with idol worship again. In fact, they err in the other direction. They become very legalistic about their own understanding of who God is. And when Jesus comes, he confronts that. He doesn't confront their idolatry 
for mingling with the Roman religions or those things. That's what Jesus deals with. He deals with their misapplication of the scriptures and how <laughs> they're using the scriptures to persecute people, basically how they're making life hard on their own people when the goal is um, what we're going to talk about in Bible study tonight a little bit, something that stuck out of me in Romans 14, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14, about just the way Paul phrased it. And that's the importance of how people are the priority. God's people are what we want to take care of. And so in our country, as we look at our government, when, whenever we're looking after our own desires, Haman was offended, flat out offended that Mordecai didn't honor him because he was worthy of honor. And he decided to destroy him and everyone from his people group, which is pretty extreme. It's an overreaction, right? But um, Mordecai, on the other hand, comes up and says, we need to save our people. And when listed, he annihilates Haman and Haman's followers. That's what happens in this story. The pressure, the pressure from... Um, the pressure that in there in that area reveals to the Jews who their true enemy is, because it's during that time where they're going to rise up, and because of that pressure, the enemy revealed itself. Light was shown into darkness, so that when the time came and the order reversed and the Jews were able to, it says the Jews went out and found and attacked their enemy and overtook them. And so it struck me that because we're in a difficult time, we need to pay attention because what is happening in our own culture and in the world is always when there's difficult times, you'll see where darkness is. You'll see where the enemies of God are. And we can deal with those things when the opportunity comes and to be patient and to trust God in the interim. And I, that just, that struck me today as something to give us hope that we may not, we can't see the future, yeah. but we need to, but we can look for God in the moment. Well, we've, we've also seen that it's truly called to, um, called out, I guess maybe is the best way to put it, what people believe, who they trust in, what what is really controlling maybe, or like we've talked about worldview in the past, maybe we'll talk about it in another um, episode or whatever. Um, well, we are, we are practicing worldview right now, you, <laughs> you and I things, are. Yeah, the way you see things, the way things are, um, and I was just thinking even in the church, so much corruption in the church and so many people turned away from God because of things they've seen happen in various whatever denominations or, you know, faiths or um, expressions, whatever. But the bottom line is there's good and bad probably in just about every sect or, you know, faith expression. But at these kind of times, it shows what they really trust in. Are they trusting in God? Are they calling out to God? Or are they embraced by fear and therefore trusting the government and believing the government to show them everything to do? God says, I'm your king. He He wanted... God never desired Israel, Israel to have a kingdom right. he wanted other Israel than him. To be, to see him as their king. Right. So I believe when you trust in his name and you call on the name of Jesus, you've come into a different kingdom. So now your king is Jesus. He is, he reigns. He, he rules our lives and our hearts and our thinking and therefore removes us from the thinking of this world, which relies on what some quote expert tells them or some, you know, government official who most of the government officials that send down edicts don't even have a clue about true science or true uh, medicine or whatever. And, and even some of them, we know some of the medical things are run by you know, big money from big pharma and different things. Like that. So if you if you have all these different um, loyalties, you're going to question what's going on and, and who to believe in the middle of these type of situations. Instead, like Mordecai said, 
for such a time as this, Esther, you've been called so you can save your people because when they stood for what was true and right, then those were, they were rescued as opposed to giving in to, I don't know what all the evil was, could have, could have, you know, come from a different angles. And I think it's funny that the king didn't seem to have a clue either. <laughs> he kind of just went along with, but, but God rules the hearts of kings, the Bible says, or he, uh, kings, uh, heart is like water course and God steers anyway. And it's paths are steered by the Lord. Yeah, right? there you go. Um, meaning that God even gave that king an obvious um, direction, maybe in front of his face, so that he could see what was true. Eventually, right at first, it was difficult. He didn't know who to trust. Like you said, he tried to trust the people nearest to him. Well, yeah, and, they, and he was they betrayed by the people closest to him. Yeah, because that deception was about themselves, not about what was right for others. And that's what I guess I'm saying. Sometimes in this, in the midst of difficulty that we've faced recently in this nation and are facing as we continue, you have to decide, you know, who you're going to trust. And it does not, to me, it's not a church or a, a human leader. It can't be. They're going to fail you. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to literally let you down every time. It has to be that you trust in one that's greater and can see all and knows all and knows you and still loves you perfectly. So those, that's who you can trust. And he's given us all we need for life and godliness. The Bible says if we call on his name, if we call out to ask him to save us, literally. Yeah, I, I want to... Um... I mean, you, were, you you turned to a good question as trust, and 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 you cited and you cited the ultimate trust is God. He's, Jesus is the only one. I mean, that's where trust is. Because Jesus said, "I am truth." He said, "I am the way, the right, truth, right. and the life." The, the way, the truth, and the life. And absolutely. no one comes to God the Father except through Him. So, except through truth, are you going to really know the true God? Also, so what? What it, what it does is it makes me think. So we talked about the who do you trust, and I didn't even think to put this into the Haman thing, but it, it kind of guides me to kind of a, a little bit of a wrap-up topic for us to do. We'll talk for about few, 10 more minutes or so on this, I guess. How do we, and, and the subject of how do we know who we can trust? The king, in this case, was kind of victimized by, you know, his good, faithful, Nearest. loyal guy. They don't tell us a whole lot about their relationship before. Who knows? Maybe they were high school buddies. But um, <laughs> but the, uh, the I guess they would have been private school buddies since they were kingdom and stuff. Uh, or they may be a people of class. And that might have been, you know, maybe Haman yeah. was someone who was raised in class. He wasn't something like Mordecai. He was just one of the commoners. Um, but nonetheless, uh, there's it's a story about shifting alliances and trust based upon behavior, um, deception and stuff. And, and we are not any different in that in the world that we live in today in the sense that uh, we get betrayed. Our yeah. trust to behave. So how about this um, answer? Knowing that Jesus is the only one we can trust and we yeah. don't want to be the only Absolutely. people in the world who withdraw into a cave and say, I'm just going to sit here and wait for Jesus. Uh-huh. I have to function and interact with Haman's in the world and Mordecai's in the world and Esther's in the world and and Xerxes. All these people are in our worlds. We get to vote for our Xerxes, but nonetheless, um, we we have to interact with our, the people in our world from, from official people mm-hmm. um, to uh, just everyday friends. How, how, talk to me about trust for a minute. How do you know... What do you what do you do? How do you approach it when you approach someone? How do you know or deal with a relationship to say, I'm gonna trust this person? <laughs> what are the what are the stages of give me five stages of well, trust? Okay, Go. wait, no. Initially what went through my mind was um you, we we don't 
I feel like we don't actually trust people. We walk beside them. The trust is more about longevity, length of relationship, um, maybe type of relationship, those kinds of things. Because you, you tend to trust family. Family can let you down, but you tend to know them a little bit better. You know a little bit more what's behind what they're thinking or underneath what their, uh, you know, motivations are. Or maybe where they're going to go next because you have tended to be around them or maybe you were raised the same way. So I think trust is, it's a curious word. Because again, this is me. I don't think I really trust people. I think I walk by them. I walk beside them. We, we walk together and we, with fear and trembling, kind of, the Bible says, you work out what life is. And because like even you and I, we, we can trust each other, but, but what does that mean? Well, it means that you've proven you're going to be faithful. You're going to believe what the values I hold, or, you know, we believe the same values are the, are the utmost or whatever. So those things have built some trust in what may be decision, uh, what's going to motivate us to make a new decision. But I can't trust that you're going to think like I am. And I definitely can't necessarily, um, because of that, predict all your behaviors or know, you know, that the next thing you're going to do is something like that I would even quote approve of or whatever, because we think differently. We're completely different people. But if, if we believe and understand the principles that are driving us, I guess if I understand what principles or what values are driving me, I'm going to. I'm going to commiserate. I'm going to uh, buddy up with. I'm going to come close to people who share those same values. And it's almost uh, unwritten or an unspoken uh, thing when you know this person shares your values. Now, I think that can also go so far and then it might stop because you, um, I have people around me that I, I know have a lot of the same values as far as caring for others and wanting to be a hard worker or wanting to, you know, um, hold up others, not just think about myself, you know, those kinds of things. And those build camaraderie when it comes down to it. Um, I might stand for something different if it came to a spiritual, uh, question or if it came to a, uh, something that would, you know, cause us to go separate directions there. So to a point we trust or was it Ronald Reagan that said, trust but verify? <laughs> in yeah. other words, what You've is trust You've used that in, like? my, in our lives, you know, our married life the whole time, haven't you? You, you always say that. You know? I say that when your feelings are hurt <laughs> because I did you. verify you didn't something. You trust me, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, it's not that I don't trust you. I just want to make sure that you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know even I make a mistake, so I don't necessarily want you to trust me. I know, me. but then we all get all wounded because, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I've, I adopted some years ago, the whole thing is, I, it's okay if I'm wrong, which I've discovered mm-hmm. now and again, um, gets me more in trouble than good. Cause if I say it's okay that I'm wrong, you, you hear it more as a, you're just going to say your thing and whatever. I don't know. I just somehow or another, I think I wind up <laughs> no. using that. I, nothing like getting a cool phrase that tries to say that I'm being humble about something and then using it in such a way to still take people off. That's right, a skill right. set. And I have acquired it over the years. Yeah, um, I think the idea of trusting but verifying, because mm-hmm. um, when you look at First Corinthians 13, it says love believes all things, hopes all things, trusts all things. Um, but love is what we're, we're experiencing. It, it's, I don't think love means I'm trusting you like I'm trusting a car salesman. I think it means that I'm trusting that God is sovereign okay, over all thanks. things. See, that's the point is God really is the only one who's trustworthy. 
And the Bible continues to say he's faithful, even though we aren't, because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're human. We cannot be faithful. And if we admit it, something that I went to my mind when you were saying that is, if we can admit we are not trustworthy people, then that kind of puts us on a level ground with everyone else. So I'm not going to hold you to a standard that I can't measure up to myself. Okay, so let's let me look at it this way. So it's not saying trust me. I am because the next thing is trustworthiness. There's a category there, mm-hmm. and trustworthy is an interesting word when you think about it. What are you? Are yeah, you worthy, worthy of trust? Because worthy means is it in your? Have you earned it? Is that what it means? No, I want to I'm approach that differently in just a second. <laughs> First, I want to say trust, trust God. What you said, um, it's it's saying, are you the kind of ah? I, I had uh, this is what ADHD does. Sometimes it just rips you off the road, and you're just wandering around the ditch trying to figure out how to get back on the road. Um, I'll just stick to the trustworthy thing. I'm not putting my trust in the fact that you're right every time you say something. If I'm trusting you, it means that I'm trusting you are acting in the best interest of my relationship with you. That's what trust says to me. Mm, It's not saying that I am, um, I'm acting, in other words, trust is, is established when the person that you're with feels secure that you care about them. That's what a trust is. I think that's because that's what if love trusts yeah, all things. I think that's right. what that verse is saying. And I would go back to trustworthy. So that's or I'm you know not go on to trustworthy. Okay, not back yeah. to trustworthy. Go, okay, you're gonna go move on, on to because I said that's the thing we'll talk about in a second. Trustworthiness. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you said mistake. okay. So trustworthy to me is where I would stay more than trust in the sense that I know you are trustworthy because you have proven. Quote, unquote, you I know, have led you to believe that I'm trustworthy. <laughs> well, in a relationship that we have shared for several years, y- you have not violated a, that trust in the sense right. that I'm, you're not perfect. You, right. you definitely make mistakes and let me down, quote unquote, in ways that you know, that. aren't things that I, you know, you don't bring me the flowers when I want them. You, you bring don't them when bring you ask me flowers me, you know, that kind of anymore. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's just a rule of thumb. If you have to be asked but, about flowers, you, it yeah, no longer matters. Lost. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, but <laughs> what I mean is, but I know that you share the values that I share. And up to this point, have never disproven that, I guess. There you go. That's there, the qualifier right? yet. I've kept it hidden so far. We're <laughs> well, good to go. And to be truthful, there you go, too. When when you're sharing a relationship with someone, you hope to get to a place where you can be very honest and still trust. Because the more honest you are, the more someone knows they can rely on you and and believe right. that you will not uh, lie to them or you won't try to deceive them because the opposite would be deception, right? Yeah, I this so for trustworthy, okay? okay. So for me, it, the question is, um, when you say trust me, the response to that is, this, well, are you trustworthy? <laughs> are you worthy of me putting trust in there? And I think that I can trust you. So for example, and it's going to have a scale and you got to make a judgment based upon certain things that are related to that, um, whatever I'm trying to say here. Uh, in the sense that, um, are yeah. you trustworthy? In the there's sense levels, that, yeah, there's levels. Of. In other words, I can trust you to. Well, I'm not going to dr- trust a, an untrained eight-year-old to jump in my car and drive it around. They're not worthy of the trust of a t- right. twenty thousand dollar vehicle. <laughs> um, uh, but as they graduate the through, skills, they get skill sets yeah. and develop, and they become more and more trustworthy. So that's more of a benign, amoral thing. But yeah. the point of the matter is, that's what I'm getting at. There's a trust factor there, yeah. and you, they earn trust as their capacity. Um, to to act in a way that is trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and that's what I mean by trustworthy. Well, instance, so the question shouldn't be, um, 
trust me, the question should be, what do I need to do in me to become more trustworthy in those things? What needs to grow in me? What needs to change in me? What needs to develop me? So you shouldn't... And sometimes, sometimes it's a matter of, again, time in relationship. Because you can get to know someone and know that they are really knowledgeable about a certain thing over a course of time. You can ask them enough questions or you can watch them and see that this particular area of uh, life, they really do know something valuable. I know a lady I work with right now, I I love her and and we get along really well. I know that I could trust her um, about dogs. I could ask her questions (laughs) about dogs because... I've watched her and I've, I've, you know, heard several things that she's learned and and things that she wants to learn. And she seems to be one that, unlike me, is very interested in that subject and really wants to grow in it. So that makes me trust her to have done a lot more research than I would. I guess that's what I'm trying to say in that angle. So then someone like you, who I feel like has done a lot of, poured a lot of his life into understanding the scriptures and and walking with Jesus and, and trying to understand how to lead others to walk um according to the understanding of you know god's love for them and and walking with him in accordance with that so i believe you're trustworthy in that area so people can ask you your kids come to you for that kind of wisdom or you know angle but then also that's an interesting angle because some people want information or act like they do but they really don't want it because once they have it now they're accountable to it so that's another thing about these experts i feel like this whole media thing with some experts what qualifies someone to be an expert nobody asks that question do they it seems like you watch television and someone gets on there and they got a microphone and a tablet and all of a sudden they are they are trustworthy and i'm going you know you might want to know something about the people same thing's true with a documentary i watched a whole documentary one time on some subject matter which i will not get into um and watch the whole documentary and i happened to watch the thing and throughout i'm flagging people i'm going that name's familiar and handy um iphone in hand i popped it up and googled him and go mm-hmm. oh yeah this person ideologically is the opposite polar of i of who i am they're telling me <laughs> something i'm supposed to believe when what they're telling me is is outside of what i see as a as a christian worldview so they're setting a stage for a thought process that I don't adhere to. So I reject the premise of this documentary. I still watched it um, because I promised the girl that challenged me to watch it, um, to watch it. But, um, well, uh, but that's, that's another thing. If if you've got a certain value system, that's completely different than the person you're trying to tell this information to. So the Bible says, it might be completely wrong or different information than they're going to believe or think is true. And that is definitely, those are things to weigh because I, I think trust is, it's important, but it's also important that you know someone has. Ex- to me, it's it's maybe about experiencing it yeah. more than even doing the knowledge or the, you know, study on something. Have you experienced? What have you experienced? What have you actually lived? And when you tell me about what you've lived, then I'll know if I can trust what you're saying about. And then you know, these days people paint all kinds of pictures about what's really not even true in their own lives. So it's a it's a walking on eggshells at times. And I do think it's time. Sometimes it's just a matter of time before someone exposes who they really are or what is really underneath what they really, really, you know, live is is what they live out, what they 
are saying they live out. But well, that I was want to wrap. We got to wrap this up in a second because people are coming over if they're not already here. Um, but I want to. Uh, I wanted to. I was gonna wrap it up, but I want to ask one more question because it came to me as you were talking. What about people that are in the faith? This seems to be an issue. Maybe we should pick this up as a whole thing sometime. But, but I, I really am wrestling with the, the. Um, you watched that documentary on church music this week, um, and I did too, about how we managed to rip one another up um, within our own faith structures. Um, Christianity is, you know, ours. And when you when you think about that, I'm thinking, what is it that's primary? That keeps us from, we seem to have trust breaking down because we don't believe the same thing about something that in my view is just not worthy of breaking up our relationship over. I can have a difference in opinion. Maybe this will be a comment rather than a question. Um, But maybe I should, I I think one of the things we need to understand in our, um, in our faith is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself and make disciples. Making disciples means teaching people to walk in loving God and loving others. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So, well, it, remember all of the little details around that, if we lose sight of that, um, can actually create a breach of trust if those details become priorities. Yeah. And I I'm think not, and last I, I wanna... time you read from James that said, what causes quarrels and fights among you? And I think sometimes people let their opinions of what they believe, and it may be based in fear or it may be some arrogance. It may be just the fact that they'd like to be right. But, but we let those things... Um, divide us because we need to be right about that rather than letting it letting God make those decisions I think eschatology is one of those that people are just absolute about what they believe that the end times are going to bring and I'm thinking how can we know that we're in human bodies right now we can let God give us some reassurance and some hope we can we can believe that the promise jesus said he was going to come back is true we don't exactly know what that looks like we don't know if we're going to be rescued from all the suffering of this earth and and the bible says the suffering the earth is suffering no matter what anyway so we know that there's things we've got to go through and and at after suffering um will be like jesus the bible says so there's some that has to happen Mm -hmm. so some of that stuff i i know it's just some fear or it's just some unanswered you know uh thoughts of what we just don't know well that's fine but if we get absolute about it and it causes fights and arguments that are not rooted in god's plan for the church to be because we know some fights and arguments have caused the right revolutions at times you know and and have been correct for the church to even uh be like you've talked about right. self-corrected or whatever. well barring major world so shifts like revolutions like i i heard i heard someone say um, or I'm going to say for the first time ever, uh, I don't ever want to be so shallow as to let, um, I don't want to be so shallow as to let our political or religious differences mess up our relationship. In other words, my relationship is to love you, um, and to love, and I'm speaking of, to love you too. as my wife, but to love people, <laughs> yeah. um, and to, and to make that a priority. And that means if they Absolutely. disagree with me, just because you don't share Jesus, with me, because... my belief in plan, trans plenary, atoning, sacrificial, <laughs> I love um, the Jesus I know I'm saying gibberish. I'm doing it on purpose, but that's the because point is the, people are lost in gibberish rather point, than loving people. I'm sorry. The point just of the Jesus thought. movement was um, they will know we're Christians by our love. And that's mm-hmm. obviously from Scripture. That's John, I think, John 15 or 17. Um, Jesus said that about us. 
So if we're known for love, we're not going to be known for division. That's yeah, and unfortunately, that's not always and the case, is I, it? No. What you and I would love to see happen, because the more we love, the more we bring people to know Jesus, because He is love. He's not division. But humans are still humans, and they go after their own ambitions, and they they wreck God's you know the witness God has on this planet. So yeah. I'm sad for that, but that is definitely what we would like <laughs> to help guard against. I guess. Well, I'll say it this way: without Christ, we have one skill set: destruction. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know how to build up without Jesus. <laughs> we can build things up, but what we build up always leads to some kind of destruction somewhere. <laughs> so we are understanding that we live in a cursed world, and one day Jesus mm -hmm. will come and build up without destruction. Well, he's but the only Savior. Then. We can't save That's humanity. for sure. Well, I think this brings us to the end of a discussion we did not know we were going to have because we went into it with, well, we, I knew we were going to have, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I, I make no sense, and I can't even get my you camera angles right. I'm not sure what we were going to talk about, and that happens a lot, and that's okay because it's fun to do. It is, and it's so focused on the conversation today. There's going to be lots of time. If anyone watches this, enjoy looking at someone just staring at the other person while they're talking because I kept forgetting to change the camera angles. Like right now, the camera's on you, and I'm the one talking. So I should have <laughs> <laughs> been the one shifting. Okay. So I could just use the overhead shot where you don't matter you at all. You're just a stick. You got something sticking in your face. But what we're going to do instead is just kind of say, you know what? Maybe we should just um, find the little button on here that says, go away. Wait, if it's just a second, you're going to hear the music play. I, well, I'll hear the music play and I'll talk about stuff like, for example, you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on um, Apple Podcasts and other podcasts out there. And we're continuing to try to get better and better at this. I'm going to try and build a website so you can find us there. We're going to take Sawyer Clan. Um, until then, know that Ask Mom and Dad, brought to you by Sawyer Clan, is here to stay, I hope. I pray. Take care, guys. God bless.